for me to speak in the middle of worship just really felt like God turned me back to this sermon that I've preached several times and had to had to give the sister a different scripture for this morning is I really felt like God wanted me to share this word for you this morning. Deuteronomy 1, 1 through 8, and it reads, These be the words which Moses spake unto all of Israel on this side of Jordan, in the wilderness, in the plain over against the Red Sea, between Paran and Tophel and Laban and Hazaroth and Dizahab. There are eleven days' journey from Horeb by the way of Mount Seir unto Kadesh Barnea. They have to have such weird names back then. Hallelujah. And it came to pass in the fortieth year and the eleventh month, on the first day of the month, that Moses spake unto the children of Israel, according unto all the Lord had given him in the commandment unto them. After he had slain Sihon, the king of Amorites, and dwelt in Heshbon, and Og, the king of Bashan, and dwelt in Astroth and Edrai. And in verse 4 it reads, On this side of Jordan, in the land of Moab, began Moses to declare this law, saying, The Lord our God spake unto us in Horeb, saying, Ye have dwelt long enough in this mount. Turn you, take your journey, go to the mount of the Amorites, and unto the places nigh thereunto, in the plain, in the hills, in the vale, in the south, by the seaside, to the land of the Canaanites, unto Lebanon, unto the great river, the river Euphrates. Behold, I have set a land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, to give unto them their seed after them. And if I could, with the help of the Lord, speak to you this morning on this topic, long enough, long enough. Could we all just go to the Lord in prayer and could we ask him to have his complete way this morning? Jesus, we love you. God, we're not worthy to be here today. We're not worthy that you would have invited us into your presence, into this place, Lord. We ask that your presence and your spirit would do a mighty work unto every heart, unto every soul, unto every spirit. God, I ask and yield myself to you to be a vessel that, God, that you would flow through. God, I need your anointing here this morning. God, Lord, in the name of Jesus, let your spirit, let your power flow through this place. Tear down every lie of the enemy. Tear down every wall of the enemy. Destroy every stronghold of the enemy today and let your spirit, God, come in like a flood in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Can we clap our hands and worship him one more time? I love you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You all could be seated. Praise the Lord. Long enough is a phrase that we use in conjunction with when someone or something or situation has gotten either near or is at or is past a a breaking point or the as some say, you know, the last straw. If you're a parent here today, your children have no doubt have tested this in your life and have either whined or cried 
or begged or pleaded or acted up or fought or whatever to the point where you got to the place you said, okay, this has gone on long enough. And either you gave in and gave them what they wanted so they'd be quiet or you stood your ground and and you put them in your place. Hallelujah. And they get to that point where it's just gone on long enough. Especially if you have multiple children and brothers and sisters and they and they start that fighting and they start that arguing and they start that that, you know, where it sounds like chalkboard, your fingernails on a chalkboard. Just oh, just stop. It's gone on long enough. I don't care what you're arguing about. I don't care whose tootsie roll that is. I don't care. We're throwing it in the trash. It's gone on long enough. We used to have before we before we. um moved out of our home and into our trailers. Brother Wyatt was saying we, we had a we had some pets we had to part ways with and one of them was a little bit larger dog. Uh, wasn't it was probably a medium sized dog and her name her name was Lucy. And Lucy is an okay dog. Um they had a very hard time house training her. So we did keep her outside more than inside. But when she was outside she had a hobby non-stop barking and barking and by it didn't matter if there was somebody there to bark at or or anything just be the wind blowing and she would bark at it and it was that it wasn't just it was that annoying high-pitched kind of squeal bark almost it just drive you nuts and and i felt sorry for our neighbors like oh they're just they're gonna hate us i can't it it got to the point in me where i said i've okay i've listened to this long enough so don't judge me we went to the pet store and we bought one of those collars that gives that little shock. Don't call the animal rights activists on me. And put it around her neck and she went out there and it barked and it gives that little warning beep. Of course, she didn't know what it was yet and barked again and it went. Bloop. She stopped barking. Hallelujah. It worked. Until after a while, she had it on long enough or she found some way to claw it off and actually broke it. And hallelujah. So she went back to barking again. My middle child that's here today, Caitlin, when she was born, she uh, had something that was going on on the insides that we didn't realize or know. And basically, uh, any time that she would eat, everything that was there would come up. And I don't mean just a little bit or like a normal baby would spit up. I mean, it was, I won't give you details because you're going to have lunch later. Hallelujah. But it was gross. And it would happen all the time. And so my wife would take her to the doctor and I'd say, what's going on? And, and they would try to, to just get her on formula and that didn't help. So they tried her on different types of formula. And they, they have this, it's called pre-digested baby formula. It stinks so bad. <laughs> We even tried that, and that didn't even work. Every time, it was just come back up. And so after three months, she actually started losing weight. And so my wife was you know, getting worried. She was getting very concerned. Took her, took her to the doctor one more time to try to find out. And, and the doctor just said every time it would just give some kind of a – just didn't seem to really care or have that concern and, and was just going to make another just random suggestion – and at this point, and if you're a mom here today, you know when you get this point with your kids when it comes to their well-being and, and their safety and their, their concern, her, her mama bear instinct came up inside of her, and, and she has had allowed this to go on long enough where in that doctor's room, she began to get a little vocal, 
and a little irate. And a security guard actually had to come by and just check to make sure everything was okay. She was upset. She had just passively let all the doctor's suggestions go on long enough where she had to finally put her foot down. Something else has to be done. Something is wrong. Something is not normal. And so after she, you know, convinced them in her way, they went and they got the, did a sonogram on her at three months old and they found where her intestines were, you know, kinked almost like a hose. And every time the food would hit, it'd come back up. So they had to they had the next day they had to have her under the knife and do surgery and they you know rearrange her plumbing is how they described it and got all straightened out and hallelujah and she's here today alive and well praise the lord because my wife had gotten to a point where she had allowed certain circumstances to go on long enough in our text that i read this morning in Deuteronomy chapter 1 this is a point where we find the children of Israel getting ready soon to, to move forward, to get closer to where, as you recognize when I read, to that promised land that God has for them. And, and just to do a quick recap of where they are in this point and how they got there, no doubt many of you are familiar if you've been in church for some point in time, or even if you haven't, no doubt you're very familiar with, with the story of, of Moses being used of God to, to lead the children out of bondage of the Egyptian slavery and pull them out as God moved through him, sending plague upon plague upon plague upon plague until Pharaoh finally got to the point where he was yielded and, and gave and, and, and a, for lack of a better term, finally cried uncle and, and, and let the people of Israel go. And, and they left and they went on their journey and they, they came to the Red Sea at that point where Pharaoh had changed his mind and was angered and sent his army after them. And, and God parted the waters and Israel, all the people crossed through on dry land and the Egyptians tried to follow after them. And as they did, the waters crashed down upon the army of the Egyptians. And Israel the people of God were now sent to go forth to claim their promised land that God had promised unto their fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so before they went in, they sent in spies to the land to, to check it out, to see what was there. And when they went there, ten of those spies, they were freaking out. They saw people that were just, they, they, they were scared. They looked giant to them they said we're just grasshoppers compared to these people they're, they're just they're they're a bunch of large strong people they're they've got their act together there's no way that we can we could even there's no way we can overtake them two spies uh, joshua and caleb they said no we can do it we can do it but because a majority of them decided no we we i don't i don't see it happening god stopped them in their tracks and sent them on a, a wandering journey through the wilderness for 40 years. And in this text, we find ourselves right uh, at the precipice of that 40 years when they're going to get ready to have their ultimate do over, if you should say. To have one more time to go back into that promised land. Forty years have gone on. Generations have shifted and changed. And there's a new uh, young crew coming ready to take on and bring the children of God into this promised land. And it's here where Moses begins to address the people of God before they take this journey. And he speaks to them in verse 6 in the mountain that they are at. In the mountain that they find themselves dwelling in the part of the wandering. He said, now you have been here. Long enough, and it's time to go. 
it's time to take what God has promised for you. Hallelujah. I want to speak to you real quickly about a few examples in the Word of God where where other people have found themselves in a place where they realize that something had been long enough and it drove them into an action that brought about an amazing result. The the story of David, when David had had fled for his life as King Saul was chasing after him because he knew he was going to be the heir of the throne. In 1 Samuel chapter 30, we find David who's on the run with him and his, uh, his friends, his companions, companions, uh, trying just to find work, trying to find just to do something to keep themselves alive, to survive in the land until it's time that David can take over the throne. They find themselves living in a city called Ziklag, which is in the land of the Philistines. And they're finding themselves where they're they're trying to just take on different jobs, whether to fight for people, protect other people, do different things. They join themselves to the Philistine army as they're going out to battle. And while they're there, the, the army realized, you know, these are a bunch of Israelites and we're actually going to go fight some of the Israelites right now. I, I don't I don't think this is going to work out. And so they said, let's we, we, we don't want this. So they send them home. They tell them, sorry, you, you can't be part of this campaign. They send them home. And so here's David and all his men thought they were going to go out and have a day's work traveling home back home to their home at Ziklag. And as they start getting closer and they start walking closer to their home, they begin to look out over the horizon and no doubt they start to see black billows of smoke coming out from the horizon. And they start to probably wonder and start to worry, what, what's, what is this? What's going on? And the smoke, as they get bigger, is, is larger. And as they get even closer, they can see fires burning. And no doubt they'd probably begin to run and, and run with all their speed to get to the city of their home where their families were and their belongings were. And when they got there, they found the city of Ziklag burned to the ground. And all of their family members were gone. They were taken. All their possessions were either taken or destroyed. Everything was just gone. I don't know about you, but I could just, the, the heart wrench, the, the, the agony, just the, to come back to your home to such a sight would have been just horrid. And here they are, these men, David and his men. And the Bible talks about how David just began to weep unto the Lord and all the men were just sorrowful and David cried and wept and cried and wept. And the Bible talks that he cried and he wept until he could just cry and weep no more. And the, and the, and the, his friends in their frustration and in their anger, uh, they just decided, I guess they felt like they needed to blame someone. They needed to take their frustrations out on someone. So they decided that they were going to take stones and stone David and kill him and eliminate him. Somehow it became all his fault. And so as they began to do that, David sat there in his, his depressed state. David sat there having his pity party. David sat there feeling like the whole world has come down upon him. And he had a choice to make. And he decided, okay, I've been in this state that I've been in long enough. I have cried and I've wept long enough. I felt sorry for myself long enough. I can sit here and I could just let them kill me because maybe that's what maybe I did bring this upon myself somehow. But instead, David got to the point and said, no, I've acted in this manner long enough. I'm going to raise myself up. And the Bible says he encouraged himself in the Lord. And he began to seek after God and ask God, God, what should I do? Should I go after them? And God told him, go. And he encouraged his friends and they went and through a 
series of events, they were able to find the enemy that came in and they were able to recapture and reclaim everything, every single thing that was taken from them. And sometimes in our lives, we have to get to the point. I I know life does not deal a fair share of cards every day of our life. In fact, majority of the time, I would say it's, it's not. I talked to the kids yesterday about how sin came into this world and sin has marred us, not just people, but it's marred the earth and it's just it, it's put its taint on everything and it makes things the way they are in, in, in an imperfect world with imperfect people. And we deal with things. The brother was talking about how we live in a, you know, a fifth wheel and I, we, we just felt the call of God to do so. And, and I and I just at first, you know, God had to help me out. But at first I said, you know, I'm making the sacrifice from God. God's just going to make everything's going to be smooth. Hallelujah. Why was I wrong? I've suffered four busted leaf springs on my trailer, two tires I got dug into, uh, four leg jacks that I had to replace one of them three separate times on our fifth wheel. I even experienced me turning too sharply and having the trailer hit the back of my truck and busting the back windshield out while my kids were in there. I left the tailgate down on my truck. If you're familiar with the fifth wheel, uh, the fifth wheel hangs over the bed and the tailgate's down. And if the tailgate is down and you drive and you turn, that tailgate juts right into the fifth wheel itself. Three times I did that. We got rear-ended in Michigan last uh, earlier this spring. Got to St. Louis. And I had a head gasket leak in my truck. And if you're anything mechanically inclined, you know that's not good. It's going to cost $4,500 to replace and fix. And for a while, when all these things would take place and all these things would go on, I said, oh, come on, God, what... Seriously, I'm trying to go here to, to minister the word. I'm trying to go here to do this. I'm trying, and all this keeps coming down. And, and it's like, nah. I'm just being transparent and real with you right now. It, it got to some points when these things would happen. I'd just be so frustrated and overwhelmed. And say, Is this really what you want me doing, God? Hallelujah. Finally, through, through all these events, though, every single time, every without fail, and even through my whining and my despair and my, and my pity party that I would have on myself, God would still step in and he would provide either from someone else or I'd go somewhere and they would actually provide me such a low discount that it would be so easy to pay for and take care of. When we were in St. Louis and I had that, that head gasket leak, I had gotten to the point where I've had so much stuff happen to me uh, as far as mechanically and traveling. I just got to the point where, all right, God, what are you going to do this time? I had... Two years before, if that would have happened to me, I would have been a mess. I would have been a mess mentally. But God had got me to the point where, all right, I, I stopped having my pity parties. I stopped worrying. I stopped stressing out. I, I, I've done that long enough. I'm just going to trust in you, God. And so when we were there, I just, you know, I'm just going to send out. I just sent out some emails to church that we've been to. Say, hey, if you're able to, this is where we're at. This is what happened. Within two days. We had enough and more finances come in to help to take care of all of that repair that needed to be done because God just stepped in. 
I know our lives are not easy. I know there's times that it's very difficult. I know it's not always a walk in the park. And God didn't promise that it would be. But sometimes we, to be able to move forward and to, and to be able to go unto what promises God has for us and to be able to go into another dimension and level that God has for us in our troubles and in our trials, we have to get to the point where we say, okay, I've been here long enough. I've dwelt on it long enough. I've cried long enough. I've whined long enough. And I've acted this way long enough. God, whatever you want to do, I'm giving it to you, but I'm not staying here. Hallelujah. There's a man in the book of Luke by the name of Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus was blind. Had no sight whatsoever. I could not imagine. I could not imagine. I read somewhere where about 0.6% of the population of the world is blind in some form or capacity. I just, I just can't imagine not being able to see some of the things that we can see. But this man, he was blind. Could not see, had no sight, and you know, you know nowadays if you're blind, we we've got things set up to to really help the, help out the blind. We've got you know, there's there's braille books, there's braille direction, there's people that have ways that man, they can get around almost better than some of us that can see, and and they things that they can do, and the, you know the government and the community and everything helps make things work out a lot better. But back then, if you were blind or had some kind of ailment like that, the only thing you could do was beg. That was it set you in front of a gate somewhere or a temple somewhere and wear a beggar's coat and have a little cup or something and beg and ask for alms. And that's what Bartimaeus did. And I can imagine as Bartimaeus was there, this is the time that Jesus himself was making his rounds, going to different places, performing miracles, teaching and preaching truth. And and Bartimaeus, I'm sure at some point had heard uh, about this miracle worker walking through the streets uh, of Jerusalem, going to different cities throughout Israel. And this is on this particular day that we find in the scripture in the book of Luke chapter 18. Bartimaeus is sitting there as he does every day. Asking for alms, asking for people to help out. And he hears this loud commotion, loud noise, loud something going, a lot of people. And he's like, what? Obviously, he realized this is not, this is not a normal sound for this time of day in this place. He, he'd probably been acute to know what sounds he would hear typically throughout the day. And this, this is not normal. And he asked, so he asked someone here, what, what's going on? What's, what's happening? And someone told him, well, it's Jesus. Jesus has come by. And I just can imagine that surely he had heard about him before and he, and he had heard of miracles he had done. And, and something inside of him got to the point. I, I just believe because of his actions, he was not satisfied with his life. He wanted to do more. He felt like he could do more than just come every day to a spot and ask for money. He, he wanted to be able to contribute either to society or to his family and, and to do so on a greater scale than what he was able to do just as a blind man coming and begging for money. Things he wanted to be able to, to participate in. And he heard that there was somebody that had performed miracles. And I believe Bartimaeus got to the point where he had been blind long enough and he had allowed this ailment to hinder him long enough that he decided he was going to do whatever it took to get a hold of what Jesus had that day. And the Bible says as he sat there, he cried out trying to get his attention, saying, Jesus, the son of David, have mercy on me. And they told him around, oh, shh, quiet. 
quiet. You're going to make a spectacle. Don't stop that. But he did not care because he had gotten to that breaking point where he was tired of the same old routine, not having any ability to do anything greater than where he was, hindered by this ailment that was no fault of his own. And he didn't care what anyone else was saying. He said he cried out even louder, Jesus, that son of David, have mercy on me. And when Jesus heard him, he told him, come here. And when he stood, he took that beggar's cloak off his back and threw it to the ground because he just had that faith that I am not going to need that anymore. I'm going to go. I'm going to meet with somebody who's going to change my life. It's going to change the direction I've been at. Come on. Sometimes there are things that are debilitating to us, whether it's sometimes the fault of our own or sometimes things either that were just uh, families that were born into that have maybe oppressed us and maybe hindered us. Some of us may have uh, come up in families where at the point that you have been raised that your self-confidence had been beaten down so far that you don't feel like you can be any worth or any good to anybody. But God wants you to know today that where you at, you have been there long enough. And He's asking you to step up and to cry out to Him and call upon His name. Because when Bartimaeus did that, God healed him. Gave him His sight. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. In Luke chapter 8, the story of a woman, the Bible calls her simply as a woman with an issue of blood. It talks about for 12 years she dealt with this issue, this health, debilitating health issue. And not only that, but she had, she had, she was very proactive in trying to find a way to, to help herself about it. She wasn't just laying there and saying, oh, woe is me, the world's ending. She was like, no, I, I, I want to find a way to, what can I do to make sure I'm healthy again? And the Bible talks about she sought after doctors and, and she spent all of her wealth seeking doctors, seeking medicine, seeking some kind of answer. But nothing would ever help. Nothing would ever change. Nothing would ever make a difference in her health and her condition. Until herself, just like that blind man, heard one day of Jesus walking by. And though she had tried so many times to find a, a resolution, to find an answer, to find what was going to bring the, the necessary uh, change in her life, she had spent it all and gone on 12 years. Uh, probably nobody here or nobody there would have ha, thought any twice if she had just given up and said, well, she's tried all she could. She's done her best. She's gone forward. And even though nothing's worked, she's, she's put up a good fight and would have thought nothing, nothing of it had she just decided to give up. But something was in her that just had to know. I've fought this long enough. I'm not going to give up now. I'm not going to just stay here. I'm, one more time I'm going to try. And so she ran out to where Jesus was. And she could not get through the people. And so all she could do was get down on the ground and begin to push her way through the feet and through the legs until she could just reach and touch the hem of His garment. And that healing virtue. Hallelujah. Began to flow unto her. And she was forever healed and forever changed. Had she decided, no, that's it. I'm not going to try anymore. And she said, oh, I'm I've, tried, I've tried everything that I could think of. But because she had it in her, no, I've dealt with this long enough. I'm going to go one more time. 
She felt her healing. She found her power. We try so many things in this world. We try so many times on our own to fix our own problems. We try so many times to to, to heal ourselves of our mental problems, of our emotional issues, of our our financial issues. We say, I got it, God. I know you're God and I appreciate you and and I know you're here for you, but I got it. What do you think God is here for? He's not here to press his thumb down upon you and make you feel bad for everything that's gone on for your life. He's a father. Talked about it. His daddy. We know his name and he's there to provide for us. He's there. He's asking. You just ask of me and I shall give it unto you. He is willing and wanting to step in. And for us to get to the point, I've been trying to do this on my own long enough. And I failed and failed time and time again. Just one more time, but this time... I'm reaching out to you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Mark 5, 1 and 6 talks about the man possessed by the legion of demons. They they couldn't bind him. Chains could not hold him. He would break the chains. Talk about the Incredible Hulk. That's what he was doing. They would put chains around him and he would just bust them himself. Nothing could hold him because of the, the strength of the evil that was inside of him. But one day a man stepped on the shore where he was at. And this man, I, I don't know, we don't know all the details of what's gone on in his life and, and how he had gotten there. But no one could control him. But I just believe that once Jesus stepped on that shore, that he somehow, through the midst of all the, the evil and the demonic possession, he was able to reach the recess of his mind and say, no, I've put up with this long enough. I, I can see somebody that can help me. And even though nobody can bind me and though nobody can hold me, I'm going to actually run to Jesus because I've been here long enough. I'm going to push past these demons. I'm going to push past their control over me. And he fell at the feet of Jesus, where he delivered him. In the year 2003, there was a man by the name of Aaron Ralston. Some of you may find this story familiar. You may remember hearing it on the news. Some of you, this might, especially if you're younger, this might be the first time you've ever heard this story. Aaron Ralston, at the age of 28, he was a very avid mountain climber, uh, hiker, explorer. He, he was just—he lived in Utah, and he would like to go out in the different, you know, areas and just. And a lot of times, he'd like to go by himself. Sometimes he'd go with people, and he'd go, you know, climb mountains, all that crazy stuff that I can't do. And um, he went out one weekend. To him, in his mind, it was just a basic, simple hike. It wasn't going to be anything fancy, anything extremely dangerous. To him. Uh, it was just simple. Now, to us, it probably would have been a monstrous challenge. But to him, this was, that was his mind. This is just very simple. So he left. And he's, normally he would leave a note or a message with somebody just for that safety precaution. If he went out by himself, if something happened, they would know, okay, he's, he went out. He's not back. We need to go find him. Something happened. But because in his mind, this time that he was going to go out uh, through the canyon lands of Utah, he said, this is just simple. He didn't even bother leaving a note. He didn't bother contacting anybody. He just went out on his own. And as he did, he found himself hiking and traveling through the canyon lands of Utah. And at one point, he got to a place where he was up upon a ridge, and there was a little canyon divot down below, and the rock and the earth below him where he was walking began to crumble, and it slipped. 
from beneath him, and he fell and slid down this canyon, canyon wall, walls on both sides. And not only did he fall, but a very large rock boulder slid down along with him so that when he finally reached the bottom of that canyon, he was safe, he was alive, he was okay, except that boulder had lodged itself right out of his wrist area, pinned against the wall. And he was stuck. And he tried different ways to maneuver that boulder off and push it and kick it and, and try to find ways to get some kind of leverage under it to move it. All he had with him was a small pocket knife, so he tried to chip at it to see if it would somehow crumble and push away to break free. But he, he, he couldn't do anything. He was stuck. And nobody knew where he was. Day, went, day one went on. He had a little bit of provisions, not a lot. He had only planned to be gone just for that day. He rationed what he had, spending his time trying to make noise, trying to crawl out. Hopefully someone would hear him, nothing. Day two, the same thing went on. Day three, still nobody. Out there in the, in the, in the, in the elements, all alone. At the end of day four, he took that little pocket knife. And he just began to carve into the wall his initials, his date of birth. And that date is the date of death because he didn't, he didn't expect to live any longer. He could feel his body just beginning to shut down from lack of water and food and nutrients. He could feel him starting to, to slip away. He went to sleep that night. To his surprise, he still woke up alive the next morning. And when he woke up, he woke up with an idea. You see, he had been trapped there long enough that he was willing to do anything to be free once again. And if you have a weak stomach, I do apologize. But what he did next was he was able to get himself kind of raised up a bit to get some leverage where his arm was below him. And when he got to a certain point and uh, an angle, he let himself go to fall so that his bone would bust in half. And then he took that little pocket knife. It, 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 this one like some Ginsu cookie knife. It was just a little basic pocket knife. And he began to cut on his skin. It had been stuck for so long, it was so numb, he, he couldn't even feel it. There wasn't even any pain, but he just he began to cut to his skin, to his muscles, his tendons. And it was going fine until he hit his nerves. He says as soon as he hit that, it was like fire shooting up his arm. But he had been there long enough. He was willing to be free, whatever it took. He said he had it just like you would rip off a Band-Aid. He just stuck that knife in there. And <laughs> he was able to go past the bone and where it was broken and through the other side. And he was able to pull himself free. Whatever it took. He, he, had, he had suffered that captivity of that boulder on that canyon wall long enough that he didn't care. He wanted to live. 
Mark 9.43 says, If thy hand offend thee, cut it off. 9.45, If thy foot offend thee, cut off. 9.47, If thy eye offend thee, pluck it out. It is better to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes and enter cast into hellfire. What lies have been upon us? What sins have been upon us that have held us captive for so long? Are you at a place today where you can say you've been captive and bound by these things long enough that you're willing to do whatever it takes? Hallelujah. You're willing to go through and to reach out unto God who's able to set you free. What have you been staying connected with that is hindering and weighing and bearing down on your spirit and bearing down on your walk and bearing down on your life and your family? They asked him later, what did it feel like when you actually got your arm severed? His, his response, these were his words. He said, it was the happiest moment of my life. Now think about that. Who of you here, if I asked if I cut your arm off right now, you say, oh, that's the happiest moment of my life. Come on. But because it was what kept him bound and captive for so long, when he finally set free, he said there was no more powerful experience that I had ever had in my life. It was just the greatest feeling that I have been I set free. And he, and he asked him, you know, what, what else was going through your mind? He said, well, I realized I had a long journey ahead of me because you know, he, was, he was bleeding. And through the, I believe through the mercy of God, he, he got out and he found some people randomly hiking and they got a helicopter. Obviously, he was okay. And he, you know, no arm, but he's still alive today. But he said as he got his arm pulled away and it took a moment to realize what just happened and, you know, the adrenaline rushing through his body. He said, I, I realized something. I, I didn't know if I was going to make it. I didn't know I might have bled to death somewhere along the way. But he said, one thing I knew for sure. At that place where that boulder had me captive, I was not going to die there. I was not going to just lay there and be succumbed to the elements around me. He decided I've been there long enough. I don't know if I'll successfully make it. I don't know if I'll be able to even go any further. But at least that's not going to be where I'm going to die. I'm at least going to try my hardest to push through. And God wants to speak to some of you today. There have been things holding you bondage, holding you captive. He say, I don't know if I can even break free. I don't know. I'll just end up failing, falling flat on my face. And God wants to say, just go forward. You might not, you might stumble along the way, but at least you're not going to die trapped, stuck, letting your spirit rot away from the things that have you bound the rest of your life. Deuteronomy 1.7, after Moses said that you had been here long enough, Moses, God speaking through Moses said, turn. These were his instructions after he told him, you've been here long enough, so this is what you need to do. He said, Turn. And that word turn in the Hebrew there means to face, to look, to fix your eyes upon. Get your eyes off of whatever it is that's holding you back. Get your eyes off of your past that's trying to bring you down. Get your eyes off of the things that are trying to weigh upon you. Get your eyes off of the depression and the sadness and the cares of this world. And just turn and get your eyes focused upon Jesus. And he goes on to say, and take your journey. And those means basically to march forward. Don't just lollygag. Don't just kind of positively throw. Get your mind made up that I'm going to march forward. And I'm going to start moving forward with a determination and a purpose. And the next words he says, and go. 
which means to besiege, to bring it to pass. Go forward. It's time for some of us to let go. It's time for us to get our destination in focus. It's time to move and it's time to make things happen because God is saying to some of you here today, where you have been, where have you been in bondage, where you have been captive, you have been there long enough. It is time to go. It is time to take your journey. It is time to move forward. If musicians would come and if we'd all stand... Why do you think Jesus did what he did? Sin entered this world through the first Adam where we disobeyed in the Garden of Eden and sin marred and, and has plagued humanity ever since. And there was no, no sacrifice, no payment that was ever good enough. All, all the people of Israel could do would, would sacrifice uh, animals unto God that would just push the sins forward another year so they wouldn't have to, to, to hinder the spirit of mankind at that point in time. But it was going to take a perfect spotless lamb, a perfect sacrifice. Payment had to be made. It was either a payment that we were going to make for our sins or something else. And we have a God that looked down upon a mankind. He said they... They've struggled and battled in these sins long enough. And he decided, I'm going to do something. And he came to this earth in the form of a baby, grew up, walked this earth among us, learned what it was like to feel what we feel and to deal with what we deal with. And because he realized that this sin problem has gone on long enough, he allowed men to grab a hold of him and to take him prisoner. God manifests in the flesh who could have stopped it at any time. But because he realized that humanity had dealt with sin long enough, he was going to let it happen. He let those same men take him and begin to beat him and slap him and spit upon him and tell lies upon him. And he let it happen. He knew this world has gone on long enough in the state that they're in. And he, he allowed those same men to take him to a pole and take a whip. Not just a normal whip, but one with, with glass and sharp objects woven into it. So that when it hit his back, it would tear and cut him. And they would do this over and over again. God inside of a human body. God has almighty, powerful God. You've heard it before how he could have called 10,000 angels. He didn't even have to call 10,000 angels. He could have just spoke the word and it would have stopped. But he realized that humanity had gone on in bondage of sin long enough. And someone had to make the payment. He let them push down a crown of thorns upon his head, make him carry a large, huge wooden cross upon his back that was already beaten and bloodied. Lay him down on that cross. No doubt laying on it with his back hurting already was painful enough, not alone route stretching his hands and driving nails through them and into his feet and lifting him up. 
to hang there, to die. Because he, he allowed it all to happen. Because he looked down into the future, into 2016, in a Christ-centered church where there was people struggling and battling in their sins long enough. And he wanted to give them an opportunity. He wanted to give them a place where they could come for forgiveness and mercy and victory over those sins. And His death on the cross took our place. His death on the cross was every single one of our sins being paid for so that He could take our place. Because it's gone on long enough. Hallelujah. I don't care where you are, where you're at. It's a God that's in this place that's able to help you. Help you move forward. Help you to overcome. Help you to go past those things. There is nothing too hard for our God if we open up and let Him in. Hallelujah. I want to just invite everybody. I don't care. I don't know what's custom around the front or where you're at. There's somebody here today. God's letting you know you've been there long enough. It's time to move forward. It's time. I'm ready to step in and to do something like never before. Would you come? Would you reach out to me? Would you call upon my name? Jesus! Jesus, have mercy on me. God, whatever it takes, I don't want to be captive to this anymore. Whatever it takes, I don't want to, I don't want to be stuck in this mindset of depression anymore. Whatever it takes, God, I'm tired of this. I want to believe that you are here to help me because he is. Come on, reach out to him. Cry out to him. Don't worry about anybody else. It's just you and Jesus right now. Reach out your heart. Reach out your arms. He's reaching right back down to you right now. God, in the name of Jesus, let your love, let your mercy, let your power flow into this place. God, I've been trying to take care of this. I've been trying to fix it all on my own. But I've tried one too many times. I've tried long enough. I'm reaching out to you right now. I'm tired of seeing my lost loved ones not in church. God, would you take care of them? I give them over to you right now, Jesus. I'm tired of battling and falling and getting back up. But I will give it to you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus.